Morning, guys. Morning. I'm going to have the opposite problem of Sean, where I'm not going to be blocking anything behind me, but I'm worried this might be blocking me. And I am standing. Sean, I've also been uh, convicted by your talk, and I've been using the shorter urinal in the bathroom, just in case you come in at the same time I'm there. <laughs> so, uh, I'm missing my reader, so I may need to pick on some of you guys if Jacob doesn't make it back in time. But uh, let me start, guys, by saying that it is a divine privilege to be with you today. Uh, you're going to hear some similarities, I think in the themes of what I'm going to speak on um, with Sean and with Jerry's talk. And I hope you guys see that that's, uh, that's by divine design. We didn't get together and talk about these things prior. So, um, But I also want to ask for your patience and your mercy. I am not a professional public speaker, and it will not take very long into this talk for you to realize that. So, And uh, this is my first time... I've done a testimony, I've done some devotionals, this is the first hour-long talk, so uh, bear with me. But I think uh, that said, it's my intent just to relay some basic biblical principles regarding the meeting of our needs. Uh, A few questions that I hope to address is, what are our needs? How do we go about meeting those needs? What does the Bible say about the subject? And what are some of the possible conclusions we can make based on the scriptures? For some of you, this will be review. And for others, I hope it will be a paradigm shift in your thinking. I know it was for me the first time that I heard it. this uh, subject taught. So before I begin, let me share a quick story with you. I was actually speaking with my wife uh, a few nights ago, uh, discussing this talk with her, and she offered up some unsolicited advice she said don't try to be too charming witty or intellectual just be yourself i said no so that's that's a real confidence builder that's what she thinks of me so at least she didn't say anything about my looks she left me a little bit of dignity but uh, man if you would let me pray for our time this morning uh remove your hats bow your heads Lord, your word tells us that your ways are not our ways. We ask, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds and mold them with your word today. Please allow us to understand and give us the strength to apply it to our lives. Thank you for all you have given us, and especially for your work on the cross. Amen. All right, we are going to talk about needs. Uh, Men, we all have needs. Like it or not, we can escape this fact as easily as we can escape death and taxes. I think we can all agree on this fact and that there are different levels and types of needs. Uh, Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist who proposed his hierarchy on the theory of needs in 1954. It's a motivation theory which suggests five interdependent levels of basic human needs or motivators. That must be satisfied in a strict sequence, starting with the lowest level. He says that level one are physiological needs for survival, the needs that keep us alive and allow us to reproduce. 
Level two, our needs for security or to feel safe. Levels one and two are the most fundamental and the most pressing needs. Level three are the social needs, such as the need for love and belonging. Level four, self-esteem, or the need to feel worthy and respected or have status. And level three and four, Maslow calls the intermediate needs. And the highest level, level five, the need for self-actualization or self-fulfillment and achievement. The theory's underlying theme is that human beings are wanting beings. As we satisfy one need, the next emerges on its own and demands satisfaction and so on until the need for self-actualization, which by its very nature cannot be fully satisfied, creating a situation that does not generate more needs. In other words, our needs are insatiable and can never be fully met. You and I experience this on a daily basis. Uh, when we're hungry, we eat. Our, our need is met. However, it isn't long before we have to repeat this process again. I would challenge you that this concept is also true of other needs, such as love, money, title, position, and power. Guys, as we sit in this room, I think it's safe to say we are all in the uh, top 5% of wealth in the world. Uh, I heard it said once that if you have a refrigerator, you're in the top 1%. I don't know if that's true, but I wouldn't doubt it. However, I'll bet there's not anyone in here that says, I'm, I'm complete. I don't want anything else. It's always just a little bit more, right? <clears throat> so in short, we all have basic, intermediate, and higher level needs. And all of these needs are insatiable. And let me suggest that we all share the most basic of needs for survival. Food, water, oxygen, shelter. And one could argue that those are the only true needs. And the rest are really just wants or desires. But guys, I sell critical care products for a living to hospitals. Those are products that are designed to keep you alive when you otherwise shouldn't be. And you can take one lap around the intensive care unit of any hospital and see people being kept alive by machines. These machines are designed to meet the very basic needs of survival. They breathe for you. They feed you, they keep your blood flowing, and they can even keep you at the appropriate body temperature. So you don't have to spend too much time with one of these patients to realize that this is not living as designed by the Creator. In Deuteronomy 8.3, we're told that man does not live on bread alone. Jesus quotes this in the Gospels when he is tempted by Satan. Now, I understand that that serves two meanings, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the talk. But I find nothing in the scriptures that suggests that we are here to breathe, eat, sleep, and then die. So in that context, we can, we can conclude that we all have intermediate needs and higher level needs. And these may be different for each of us, but they are needs nonetheless. And like our basic needs, they are all insatiable. Any questions or comments so far? Awesome. So, how are our needs met? I heard a very wise man who spoke on this same topic say that there's only two options at the end of the day. 
And as I pondered this idea, I've come to agree with him. And those options are, one, a man can decide to try and meet his needs on his own. Or two, he can look to the everlasting God. Our our needs may be met through other people, things, or institutions, but we have the same we have the ability to determine if we are going to trust God to meet our needs or if we are going to take those matters into our own hands. And we'll be exploring both options, but real quick, let's look at what the Bible says. If you'll turn to Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and Jacob, will you read that for me? not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air, that they do not sow, or, yeah, sow nor reap nor breathe into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much are you not much worth uh, sorry are you not worth much more than they and who of you by being worried can be add wait can add a single hour to his life and why are you worried about clothing observe how these lies and field growth they are not troll nor do they spin yet i say to you that not even Solomon in his glory clothed himself as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass and the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more than clothe you? You of little faith do not worry more, do not worry than saying what we will eat. Or what we will drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the gentles, Ernie, you know, seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Do, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will come. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Thanks, Jacob. Ben, Jesus is telling us to look to the Lord and he will provide. He knows we have needs. He created those needs. But we have to look to him and not ourselves in the meeting of those needs. Observe with me that Jesus is telling us that we as people are far more valuable than the birds of the air and nature. If God provides for the needs of creation, will he not take care of ours? If the lilies of the field are taken care of so richly and they're tossed into the furnace, meaning they will not last forever, won't God take care of us that last for eternity? We'll dive deeper into this, but let's first look at the alternative. And guys, if you do have questions anytime through, if I'm not pausing uh, often enough, just 
raise it up, somebody yell that there's a question. <clears throat> so what are the implications of trying to meet our own needs? Men, when we perceive our needs are not being met and we decide to take the reins, we will get into trouble. Did you hear Jerry talk about shrewd and crafty? This is exactly that. We will use and manipulate other people. We will break our personal convictions, even biblical commandments, and we'll end up angry or unsatisfied, anxious, discontent, or all of the above. If anyone in the room has ever bought or sold a piece of real estate, then you've been witness to this principle. All one has to do is read the contract that he or she's about to sign. These contracts are littered with language that protects the buyer from the seller and the seller from the buyer. So why do we need these contracts? Let me suggest to you that it's because we will use other people to our advantage in order to meet our perceived needs and get what we want. We will obtain gain at the expense of someone else. So gentlemen, if we take it upon ourselves to see to it that our needs are met, not only will we end up using people, but our needs will still be unsatisfied. This leads to broken relationships and ultimately an inability to fulfill our God-given duties to minister to others. Verse 24 in Matthew, just prior to the passage we read, states that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Men, it's counter-biblical to think we can manipulate someone and minister to them at the same time. Another example in the Bible is King David. And John hit that a little bit this morning. David and his relationship with Bathsheba. So for those of you that are not familiar with David, he was a very faithful man for most of his life. At least the glimpse that we get in scriptures, he was a shining example of allowing God to direct his path. In fact, God called him a man after his own heart. David was to become king of Israel, and he had an opportunity to kill Saul, who was the current king, and he did not do it. David waited for God to appoint him to the throne. However, later on when he was king, he saw a woman he desired named Bathsheba, and he called for her to be brought to him, and he ends up committing adultery with her and then killing her husband by sending him to the front lines of battle. Men, by pursuing Bathsheba and having her husband killed, removing him from the picture so that he could have her all to himself, David is not looking to God to have his needs met. And if King David, again, a man after God's own heart, had a tough time allowing God to meet his insatiable needs, then it's safe to assume that you and I will too. Unfortunately, we see all too much of this in our society today. We've created a culture of narcissism. It's about me first. I'm going to look out for number one. Or how about the question, what's in it for me? This is the exact opposite of what our Lord tells us in the Bible when he writes in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, 
But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This manifests itself in our society's need for instant communication and gratification. People are tweeting and Facebooking their lives moment by moment, screaming out, Hey, look at me. Give me attention. Personally, I find it kind of silly that one would need to share what they're having for lunch at work with the rest of the world, but they're doing it. Parenthetically, I'm not saying that Facebook and Twitter are inherently wrong or evil, but like any other tool or object God has given us, it is our intent in using them that makes them right or wrong. So men, if we look to ourselves to meet our own needs, we'll end up on a path to destruction. And on that path, we are more likely to encounter broken marriages, friendships, broken business relationships, and most frightening of all, separation from God. Let's pause there for a second. Any questions or comments? Good. Sean. Uh, is man's is man sex drive, would you consider that a need? <clears throat> That's a great question, by the I'm, way. I'm not going to die if I don't have sex, right? Right. Great okay. question. So that's going to be up to you. And let me, let me address it this way. As we talk about the intermediate levels, the higher levels of needs are going to be different for all of us. Uh, Paul says, if you burn, right, if you desire a woman, take one. That's a, that's a physical desire. Um, what I would say... You cannot view a need or something you determine as a need for yourself and break a commandment to have it filled. So if I'm a single guy, I think sex is a need. Maybe I need to rethink that. And we are going to address that a little bit later in the talk. Um, But yeah, sex can be a need. But like anything else, you got to do it the right way. Is that, sex, so is sex is a need? Are you D- saying that? Depends on the individual, I believe. That, did that answer? Or? Good. Hmm. <laughs> one, one more. Yeah. So uh, earlier you said there's, at the end of the day, there's two options. Uh, man meets his own needs or he meets his needs through God. Um, have you pondered, do you think there's a third option? Just not having your needs met? Or do you think that that just, it always falls in those two categories? That's a great question. Uh, no, I, I, and that's it. Where I heard that said before, and I took some time to, to think about it, yeah, those are the options. Uh, like I said before, your needs might be met through someone else or a thing or an institution, but it's going to, at the end of the day, it's going to be you that determines and looks at. Am I going to use and manipulate that so my needs are met? Or am I going to let God use it to meet my needs? And it's all about perception and intent. Does that work? 
Trevor? Just to clarify what you're saying there. So you're saying that God may use institutions, people, different things to meet our needs. So he, he'll use those to meet our needs, but he, we, we have to decide not to use them to meet our needs. Is that, does that sound right? Absolutely. Anything else? <clears throat> okay. So let's explore that other option and why we need to look to God for the meeting of our needs. Matthew 6, 8, Jesus states that God knows what we need before we even ask him. The Bible tells us that God created us, but not only that, he knew us before he created us. So not only did God create our needs, but he also created us to need him. And this is evident from the words from the Sermon on the Mount that Jacob read earlier. We can also refer back to verse 3 in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, a verse that is reiterated by the Savior in Matthew 4.4. 4. When Jesus says that man shall, knit, shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Men, let me insert the idea here that this concept does not require our agreement. It is why we are here and why he created us in the first place. And whether we like it or not, it is part of his master plan. Moving forward, it's one thing to know that we need God but another to actually look to him to have our needs met. Thus, in order to allow God to meet our needs, let me suggest that we need to realize just who God is. That he's in absolute control and that he has our best interest at heart. The book of Job is a great place in scripture if you want to get a look at who God is. Or who we are with respect to God. So God is talking to Satan And he's asking him where he's been. Satan replies that he's been walking about the earth. And the Lord says to him, have you considered my servant Job? So chapter 2, verse 3. Jacob, will you grab that for us? Just to preface it real quick, guys. uh, Everybody's familiar with Job and what happened to him. Had everything. God takes it away because he says, look, this guy's... He's still going to affirm me and bless me or uh, say that he's blessed, right? Go ahead, Jacob. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from the evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you inceded me against him to ruin him without cause. Yeah, so the word there, sorry, Jacob, it's incited. But uh, let me ask you something real quick, and I want Jacob to read that last sentence again in verse 3. Who ruined Job? And listen close. Jacob, go ahead, grab that last sentence. Hold fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Guys, God ruined Job. It states that you, Satan, incited me, God, against Job to ruin him without cause. Satan was the vessel or the tool, but God ruined Job. And he does it without offering any reasons or cause. Job was a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Later on, in chapters 38 through 41, we see Job feeling sorry for himself. 
God takes the time to remind Job and us just who he is. He asks Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And, and I'm going to paraphrase this because God takes three chapters to remind us just who he is. But he asks things, he says, Did you determine the depths of the ocean or where its borders would be? Do you command the sun to rise and set and does it listen to you? God, the Lord illustrates clearly in these three chapters that he's the creator of all things and controller, including you and I. If you haven't read the book of Job, I suggest you spend some time there. The bottom line is that God is in complete control, and if he is not, we have a bigger problem than our needs not being met. We have a God that is out of control. And if this is the case, we're all in trouble, for our assurance of salvation is at risk. For how can we be sure that a God that does not control the universe he created can truly deliver us in salvation. Have you heard anyone say, God doesn't cause bad things to happen to good people? Or, God didn't cause that to happen, he just allowed it. Men, the fact is, the God of scriptures is in complete control, and he does not need our permission or agreement to do whatever he pleases. He causes floods, famine, war, and he does all of this for the greater good. What we may categorize as bad, he insists, he insists is in our best interest. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it joy when you go through trials. And in verse 12 he writes, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Things we consider bad, God says can be good for us. God says are good for us. Let me suggest that we really need to wrap our minds around this. And if we don't, we will have a hard time trusting God to meet our needs. Any questions? Comments? Good to keep moving? Number seven again. Yeah. So it seems like um, it's God that decides if your needs... It, if. If you're falling in the uh, the camp where God meets your needs, it seems like God is the one that decides if your needs met or not, not you. It's a great observation. And I'm only saying that because it's my next statement. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Way to tee it up. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, because God is in control and created our needs, we also have to look to him to determine what those needs really are. Remember, if God is who he says he is, then we do need him. To truly believe this, we must have faith. And a byproduct of faith, of authentic faith, is obedience. So you've heard it at the retreat a few times already that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by an entity or institution as its official representative to a foreign land. And as believers, we are accredited diplomats for Christ on earth. So Christ is the entity or the boss. What does he want us to do? Jacob, read John fourteen twenty two through 24, please.
Judah said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but my Father's who has sent me. <clears throat> if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And he also promises we will come to him and make our home with him, but he who does not love me does not keep my words. Guys, we need God, and our obedience could be an indicator of our faith and understanding of this biblical truth. If we don't come to the conclusion that God is sovereign and in control and has our best interest at heart, we will not commit to letting him meet our needs. So why is this hard to do? What is our problem? I would suggest, and as Jerry discussed earlier, <clears throat> it's our human nature and it's, it's the battle against God for autonomy. I can say with certainty, guys, that we will struggle with the concept of God meeting our needs our entire life. I once asked a, asked a mentor of mine when it was that he felt that he had grasped this concept and didn't wrestle with it daily. This is a wise man in his years, and from what I can tell, is sold out for Christ. His poker chips are all in and have been for a long time. And his answer was, I'll let you know when I get there. It's a scary thought, guys, that at 70, 80, 90 years old, that we will struggle with who has control in our lives. I don't know about you, I'm a, I'm a pretty slow learner, so I see myself being there. <clears throat> But let me suggest that this is actually a good thing. And here's why. Is it requires perpetual dependence upon the Lord, which is right where he wants us. The problem is when we willfully say, I know God wants me to trust him, but I'm just going to do it my way. Guys, it started with Adam and Eve at the fall. Jerry's already discussed that as well. They were the first people on the planet, and it's been happening with everyone since. Adam and Eve were in paradise. All their needs were met. They lived in perfect harmony with God. Then Satan comes along and said, don't you want to be like God? Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't listen to God. Take control. The lie from Satan here is that God is not good. Therefore, Adam and Eve... Take matters into your own hands and define what is good for the, yourselves. Henceforth, sin entered the world and we're apart from God. Questions or comments? Trevor has time? 15? Perfect. All right. Yeah, Sean. It's on. <clears throat> Why do you think God doesn't always meet my needs and he lets me go through periods of suffering where I'm not having my needs met? 
why do you think God's not meeting your needs? Because I'm suffering. And who told you that was a bad thing? I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Go, Go back to the verse in James. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you consider various trials. And he tells us, he tells us why that's good for us, right? Character, perseverance. It's for your good. You got a question, Eddie? Matthew, is there a difference between needs and wants? And are wants biblical? Well, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, you know, like we started out, if we really broke it down... Your basic needs for survival, I think we can all agree you have to have food, air, water, shelter. Micah, you're a doctor. Anything else we need to stay alive? That's pretty much it. So we all have that. That's, that's a need. But then again, that's just to stay here in this body. Uh Those intermediate and higher level needs address things more than just the physical body. So, you've got needs, I don't know what they are. I've got needs, I don't know what they are. God's got to determine what those are, and we do have to look to him to fill those needs. Does that make sense? Does that help? No? What about once? What about once? I want a Ferrari, but I can't afford one. Yeah, you have once. But is that biblical? Is it biblical to have once? Yes. Yes. And we'll get to that. I think we'll address it in the next part here. If I don't do it, ask me again. Does that sound good? Sure. Thanks. That's the nicest my brother's ever been to me, by the way. <laughs> didn't use language we would normally All so right. matt qu- yeah. qu- question so god brings suffering into our life is it legitimate to try and remove suffering from our life so i've got a disease is it okay to go to the doctor and try to find a cure for it or is it god's perfect will for my life and i should just let it happen good question trevor i think we're going to answer that one too let me know if we don't <clears throat> so How do we handle it when we disagree with God? Let me give you an example. So a few years ago, as my dad was dying of cancer, I prayed that God would heal him. He's capable, right? He's God. But my dad had a different take. He said that we needed to thank God for the cancer because God was in control and knows what he's doing. So the prayer became, Lord, if it be your will, please Heal this cancer. But if your will is otherwise, let us remain faithful and your will be done. That was a hard topic to grasp for me. But I'll tell you this, it didn't come from the wisdom of my father. It didn't come from the men around us. Guys, that came from Jesus. Jesus took that exact same attitude in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, If it possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And the second time, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. I don't know about you guys, that's, that's uh, very powerful for me. You've got, the, you've got God saying, I don't want to do this. Take this from me. Is there another way? But then at the end of the day, he says, if there isn't, I'm still going to do it. I don't think you have to agree with God. You just have to be open to his perfect will. Did that answer your question, Trevor? Eddie? You still, we're good? You may want something. All right. Brent? Would you say that the wants are biblical, but how we achieve those wants can either be biblical or unbiblical? So it's not the wants that are the question, it's how we try to achieve them? Uh, Yes. For the most part. And I think we're even going to hit that in a second, so... Guys, the, uh, the issue is of attitude, reflective of our willingness to submit. It's when you say, Lord, I don't want to do it this way, but you know what's better for me than I do. This is a very safe posture and place to be with God. Any more questions, comments? Adam? My observation at this point seems that the solution defines our needs, and our needs don't define the solution. Would you expand on that a little bit? Give me an example. Um, God gives us the solution. It, if, if we have the understanding that uh, God is in control, we do have the solution. We don't necessarily know his will. Um, but we do see the solution. And so for us to say that we have a need that isn't being met doesn't work logically. But if you go backwards and say that we have the solution to our needs, then those solutions define what we're actually needs and what we're not. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Um, I have plenty of things that I think are needs for me. And like Sean, are unsatisfied. And I've got to realize that <clears throat> I've got to let God determine what my needs are. And that he is going to meet them. So, let's move on. And in summary, who or what are you looking towards to meet your needs? When it comes to the meeting of our needs, are we looking to our wives, our children, parents, friends, pastors, governments, employers? And I suggest that if and when we do this, that it is completely unbiblical and leads us down a dead end. Let me remind you that God may use our wives or our children to meet our needs but we are not to look to them to do so. 
it will only end in disappointment. Instead, we should be looking for ways to serve them. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect with this. You know, we slip up and make mistakes, but we must work towards God, towards allowing God to meet our needs. You know, I wish it was a, a black and white issue, guys. Um, I wish it was easy, but it's not. And like David, we may be doing well one moment, and the next we have our hand in the fire playing with the very thing we know will harm us. So for that reason, I'd say we need to stay alert, surround ourselves with accountability, and finish strong. Men, there are at least three things required if you're going to allow God to meet your needs. Number one, we must have a proper understanding of God. Both who he is and why you're here. Two, we must recognize that God created us and our needs. And because he is sovereign and in control, he can meet those needs any way he sees fit. And three, we must allow God to define what good is for us. We're all motivated by gain, but are we able to let God determine what gain looks like in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, we must have a proper understanding of God, who he is, and why he created us. Number two, we must recognize that God created us and our needs, and because he is sovereign and in control, he can meet those needs any way he sees fit. I think sovereign and in control are the, the keys on that uh, bullet point. I don't know about you guys, but when I do have adversity, uh, the first time I heard this concept was very difficult for me to say, God, how about God gave my dad cancer? How about God killed my wife in a car wreck. He did. And I don't know why. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't have to tell me why. But what I have to believe is he's in control and he has my best interest at heart. Does that make sense? You shaking your head? You don't like it? <laughs> why not? Yeah, it, um, it doesn't make sense to me. That's all I really had to say. Uh, like, that's my personal opinion. But that, that's the way I felt the first time I heard it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. It doesn't doesn't make sense to our logic. Uh, and I would tell you, I think the problem is, is when we determine what is good. And you just, I go back to those verses, guys. God says he's in complete control. If he's not, we have a bigger problem. We've got a God that is running around heaven 
responding to things that happen. You know, well, I didn't expect that. Winston, you're here 10 years early. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I guess we can try to make good out of it. It's a tough concept, guys. But God created the universe. And he did not give us... I think Jerry uh, brought up a great point today. We don't know how it rains. God didn't tell us. We just have to accept that that came from God. But until we wrap our heads around that point, it's going to be very hard for you to say, yes, Lord, I trust you to meet my needs. Because why would you give it to a God that's not in control? Number three, Scott, sorry, uh, we must allow God to define what is good for us. We're all motivated by gain, but are we able to let God determine what that gain looks like in our lives? The final thought, are we able to pray that his will be done and not ours? John 3.30 tells us he must increase, but I must decrease. Guys, with that, uh, that's all I've got for today. Let me end in prayer. Move your hats by your heads, if you will. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we recognize you as the creator of the universe. Lord, just pray that you give us the ability uh, to understand uh, what you reveal to us that fits into your will. And give us the ability, Lord, to accept that which we do not understand. Lord, I just uh, thank you again for the work on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.